You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll look at how our priorities determine how much of our purpose we walk in. If time with God is at the top of our list, we'll live out the purposes and experience the promotion that he has for us. Let's get started. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. Let's go ahead and get to work. Um, Luke chapter 10, I am going to talk a little bit about the critical things. I had my, um, my step stool up here on last Sunday, and I shared with you in this series called Life on Another Level um, that we're going to be dealing with a number of things, and this series may stretch on for a little bit longer than I anticipated. But I shared with you that these first few weeks, God has given me some very specific things um, that are designed for us to level up. There are some very specific things that, that are kind of steps through kind of things that if we're going to level up and reach higher, we're absolutely going to have to embrace these things. And this is our first day of our 21 days of prayer and spending time with God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the priorities for promotion. And, and by way of priorities for promotion, I'm talking about time with God. A lot of people have said, well, well, Bishop, can we, can we have, can we have sugar-free gum or can we do this on the fast? And what I've said to everyone is it's really more about your heart. Um, amen. Some people are like, well, I can do Daniel fast all day. And so once again, if you're, if you're doing something that's routine and easy, then that doesn't equate to a sacrifice. And the point of the sacrifice is not to just grit your teeth and say, oh, I can't wait till the 21 days are over. It's that you replace whatever you're sacrificing with more time with God. And so we're going to talk about that this morning from Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Jesus is in a familiar place. He's at the home of Mary and Martha, dear friends, part of the inner circle of Jesus and his earthly ministry. And there are a few occasions where Jesus weeps, and one of them um, is connected to this family because of how deeply he loved them. And it says in Luke 10 and verse 38 that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village. This is in the area of Bethany where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening. Notice what Mary's doing, listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. This is a biblical principle called double denunciation. Pastors, leaders, Bible scholars, whenever you see things twice, when Jesus says it, verily, verily, or Martha, Martha, it's a sign that it's important. It's called double denunciation. And he says it twice because he's saying that you need to listen up. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. The priorities for promotion. 
Now, I need to start as we prepare to study this passage by clarifying at the very beginning that the point of this passage is not that God is suggesting that we need to choose one personality over the other. Um, in the many years that I have been in ministry, preaching and teaching and just growing up in church, I've, I've heard people teach this passage and, I, and I've heard some people say some things out of this passage that are not necessarily correct. I've heard people say things like, well, we need to be, we need to be Mary and not Martha, but that's not quite the point of this passage. The point of this passage is that we have to have the right priorities. Because the truth is, it's not a matter of either or. All of us have the calling of Martha on us, meaning that there are some very specific things that God put us on this planet to do for his glory. We have a God-given purpose. We have a God-given assignment, and we should focus our lives on fulfilling that purpose and that assignment to the glory of God. But at the same time, all of us have the calling of Mary on us as well, meaning time with God, sitting at his feet, doing what Mary did, listening to him is of paramount importance to the life of the believer. So this is not a matter of either or. It's not a matter of does your life resemble more of Martha or does it resemble more of Mary? The truth is we are called to walk out both realities in our lives. The point is, though, we have to do it with the right priorities. See, the thing about priorities is that priorities communicate value. Priorities communicate what's important to you. I remember when my wife and I were dating, uh, I met my wife at the church that I was serving in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I was the executive pastor of this large church and, and uh, ran the ministry um, and was responsible for about 80 people between the church and the school and <clears throat> the Community Development Corporation and the Human Services Agency. And so I was busy as the executive pastor. I was busy. I was busy. And uh, my wife and I started dating. And so I would call my wife at the end of the day if I was heading home or, you know, if we were going to maybe grab a movie or grab dinner. I would call her, you know, at the end of my day. And she would always have just a little bit of an attitude. Um, and, and I'd say, well, what's the problem? And she would say, well, you haven't called me today. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, because I was busy. And I said, but I'm calling you now. She's like, but when you don't, when you don't call me throughout the day, um, well, even if it's just for a few minutes to just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. <laughs> she says, what, what, you're, what you're sharing with me is that I'm not a priority. <laughs> and I was thinking, what do you mean you're not a priority? I'm calling you now, woman. That's what I was thinking in my mind. <laughs> Men, don't say that. Don't talk to your wives that way, okay? But that's what I was thinking. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And so, you know, the first couple of times I ignored it and the attitude got worse and worse and worse until I said, I just don't get it. She said, no, see, I, I want to hear from you throughout the day um, because if you wait and get to me when everything else is done, then what you're saying to me is that everything else is more important than me. She taught me a very valuable lesson. Man, this will bless your marriage. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the same thing that my wife was saying then, for many of us, God is saying now. I thought I was a priority. You are a priority, God. Well, no, because you don't get to me until the very end, if then. 
Often you only reach out to me and talk to me and want to hear from me when you're in trouble. See, Martha instinctively and immediately goes to the kitchen while Mary instinctively, immediately sits at the feet of Jesus. Martha instinctively, immediately, routinely chooses work while Mary instinctively, routinely chooses to be in the presence of God. Now, what's also very important to note is that all of the things that Martha is concerned about, um, they, they, are, they are good things, right? They're, they're, they're good things. Martha is concerned with the stuff that she has to do, uh, and, and, and she's doing good things. I mean, she's fixing a meal for Jesus. Mary and Martha were, were the ladies that were part of, of really the inner circle of Jesus. They were part of the, the, this group of ladies that helped to undergird and, and financially kind of support his ministry. And so <clears throat> the things that Martha's doing, they're good. The problem, though, is that she's allowed those good things to take precedent over the main thing, which was to get in his presence and to listen to Jesus. And I want you to understand that because as you survey your life, many of us have the same testimony. We're doing a lot of good things. You're probably thinking, but Lord, it's a good thing that I want to be a provider for my family. It's a good thing that I want to take care of my kids and raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It's a good thing that I'm really trying to honor this position and this opportunity that you brought me into. And yes, it is a good thing. But the problem is what you do for Christ is not nearly as important as what you do with him. I need to say that again. What you do with Christ is far more important than what you do for Christ. And so there are lots of good things that we are focused on. There are lots of good things that we have given ourselves to. But those good things have got to be done within the right priorities. Martha is busy. But she's not blessed. That's where many of us find ourselves. Because we don't have the right priorities. We are busy doing things. We are busy. I mean, we, we have to really, 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 you know, think hard and fast and pray and really look at even our church calendar. Because, because we know that, that even our faith family, everybody's so busy. And, and, so, and so we even have to weigh, well, should we do this or should we do it then? Because we know that everybody's so busy and so that there may not be the best time to do it because everybody is busy and pulled in so many different directions. But the, here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to give you a busy life. He didn't say, I came that you might have a busy life and have it with more busyness. He said, I came that you have my, might have life and have it more abundantly. The goal is not for us to just be busy. The goal from God is for us to be blessed. But the difference between being busy and being blessed is a matter of priorities. This is why when Martha decides to complain, Jesus, Jesus, tell my sister to get up off her knees and help me. Jesus speaks up and says, "Um, Martha, Martha, you, you are concerned about a whole bunch of stuff. But what Mary has chosen, one translation says, is the best. Another translation says Mary has chosen the one thing that is needed and necessary, meaning she's chosen to have the right priorities. Another translation says one thing is essential and Mary has chosen it and it's the main course. 
I love that translation because it suggests that when we are busy with everything else, but we don't prioritize time with God, we end up building our life on appetizers instead of the main course he has for us. Another translation says there is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. In other words, Martha, you're busy, but you're not blessed. You're running around frantically trying to get it all done, and that's not the best priority for your life. And can I tell you something? Your priorities are not determined by what you say. Your priorities are determined literally by what you do. And, and, and maybe as you're listening to me, you're, you're reflecting on your life and you're saying, well, God, show me. Am my priorities in line or what are my, my, my particular priorities for my life? And sometimes if you really want to discern that, you've got to pay attention to what you just gravitate to. This is the part of the reason why we fast during these 21 days, because often what we gravitate to, things like food and television and social media and all of that, that's where our priorities lie because we gravitate to it because we subtly end up building our lives around it martha gravitates to the kitchen mary gravitates to jesus's feet <clears throat> and often our priorities are revealed by what we gravitate to every single time you see mary this mary in scripture you see her at the same place at the feet of jesus sitting at his feet not only worshiping him but doing what she's doing in Luke 10, listening to him. This is the posture for promotion. This is it. And Jesus literally says in verse 42, he says only one thing is needed. He says, in other words, only one thing is profitable is what that word needed means. Only, only one thing, and this is the thing that Mary is doing, is really, really, really positioned to help you level up and live life on another level. Why did Jesus say that this is the most important thing, that this is how your priorities ought to line up? Well, he said it because, number one, we know him through the word. We, we know him. We know him. We really get to know the Lord. How? Through the word. Through the word. Through the word. Martha is busy working for Jesus while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that distinction is important, why? Because you don't really develop an authentic and true relationship with God by virtue of what you do for him. You really develop a relationship with the Lord by the amount of time you spend with him. You develop a relationship with God not by what you do for him, but you do it through his word. This is part of the reason why Mary, this Mary, gets, gets a commendation, gets, gets, gets a recognition and a celebrity that nobody else in Scripture gets. But because literally every time we see her, she's right here at his feet because she's really getting to know the Lord. Now, now some of you, I think I lost you. You're saying, what do you mean getting to know him and, and, and sitting at his feet? And, and how am I supposed to do that? Well, let me explain it to you. John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was what? Was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became what? The word became what? And dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory of the one and only. God and the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word. Now Mary and Martha didn't have 
the benefit of the written word and they didn't need it because they had Jesus in the flesh. The written word didn't come along century until centuries after Jesus ascended back to heaven. So Mary and Martha had Jesus in the flesh. They didn't have the written word. Now, we don't have Jesus in the flesh, but we do have him in the written word. And then he has given us his Holy Spirit. And one of the main responsibilities of Holy Spirit is to drive us into all truth, to guide us into all truth, to help us to understand him through his word. This is why the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 12 that the word of God is active. It's alive. This is not a stale coffee table kind of book that you're supposed to sit on your mantle and allow dust to collect on it, that you sit your drinks on top of. No, this is a real living, breathing word because the word is Jesus. This is why every time you open this book and begin to read, stuff begins to happen in your mind and happen in your heart and happen in your life. Why? Because the word is alive. Like 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture is God breathed. It's God breathed. It's God breathed. Have you ever gotten so close? Have you ever gotten so close to somebody? I'm not going to do it now because y'all know I'm sick. Y'all want me breathing on you. But I, but I have it in my mind to just come down there and sit so close to one of you that you feel me breathing on you. Has, has it ever happened to you? And God, uh, God bless you uh, to have the stamina when somebody's breath is not fresh. But have you ever been so close to somebody that, that you feel them breathing on you? Scripture's God breathe. It, it, means, it means that when you open this book, when you spend time in it, the word of God literally is, you get so close to God that he's, spirit of the living God fall afresh on me. That's what... That, that's, what, that's what happens when you get in this book. You get so close. He's, he's breathing on you. And I love it. John, John says, through him all things were made. And without him nothing was made that has been made. Get that. Through him all things were made. Through who? Jesus. Who's what? The word. All things were made. And there's nothing that's been made that hasn't been made through him. So get this. It literally means that in the very beginning... When God said, when he spoke the word, let there be light, even though there was not light, Jesus got moving and created something out of nothing. Said light, you got to exist now. That's the power of the word. This, this means that when God brings Ezekiel into that valley of dry bones and says, look, look at these bones who are dry and scorched. It's a picture of, of something that's been broken and messed up for so long. And he says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel is wise enough to say, I'm not going to say nothing. You know. He says, okay, here's what I need you to do, Ezekiel. He says, I need you to prophesy to the bones. I need you to speak, not Facebook, not Twitter, not Snapchat, not what you saw on the reality TV show that you like. I need you to speak one thing. That is the word 
to these bones. And when Ezekiel started prophesying the word of God, thus says the Lord, you will live and not die. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. The Bible says because the word is so powerful, the bones started coming back together and stuff started crackling and movement started happening. Oh, Jesus, Jesus is the word. The word's so powerful. And in the creation moment, Pastor Z, God says, let us, let us. There's a Trinitarian conversation. Let us make man. Who is us? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. And the Bible says that they, they literally formed Adam out of the clay, and then they, they, they blew the breath of life the word into that clay and Adam came to life do you understand what I'm trying to teach you it literally means that without the word nothing new can be created it means that without the word nothing which has been dead or dry or parched can be brought back to life without the word there won't be any breathing and any refreshing any newness on you or anything you touch because because you don't know you don't know him apart from the word But then here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Jesus says, see, Mar Martha, you got to understand what Mary's chosen. The, the work and stuff is good. I know that there's work to do, but your priorities are not right, Martha. See, what Mary has chosen is more profitable. It's the better thing. Why? Because we, we know God through the word. But then secondly, we recognize his voice through the word. God says Mary's chosen the right priorities. Why? Because without the word and it says she's literally sitting at his feet listening listening why because apart from the word you can't even hear the voice of God this is day one of our 21 days of prayer and fasting and that's what we are praying for at 7 a.m. clarity today God we need your your voice we need your wisdom we, we, we need you to guide us before we make any decisions this year before we we turn to the left to turn to the right you show us what to do when to do it how to do it you need to hear the voice of God but it's hard to hear the voice of God apart from the word Jesus says in John 10, pick, pick me up around verse 2. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Did you see that? And the sheep listen to his what? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. Here it is. And his sheep follow him because they what? know his voice but they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice so the question becomes family how do the sheep know the shepherd's voice they know his voice because they spend so much time listening to it they've heard the shepherd sing as he is leading them over the hills and through the valleys they've they, they, they've heard the tone of the shepherd's voice at night when he senses that wolves are near. 
He, they, they've, they, they've heard the shepherd when he had to give them a word of encouragement, but then maybe had to turn around and give them a word of instruction. They, 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 they've heard his voice so much that they know it because they spent so much time listening to it. When I walk in the house and I say, daddy's home, my kids and my wife don't wonder, who is this? When I, when I call my wife, I don't announce, this is your husband calling. I, I don't do that because they know my voice. All I have to do is say, hey, babe, and I can go right into whatever I want to talk about because she knows, oh, this is my boo, this is my man. She knows because she knows my voice. And so many of us, we want to, God, we want to hear your voice over these 21 days in this new season that we're in. We, we need to hear your voice. But it's hard to distinguish the voice of God apart from the word. As a matter of fact, let me show it to you. Look at, look at the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord unto Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. And watch this. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. And again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, and he went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Watch this. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Why? Because the word of the Lord had not been, had not been revealed to him. I got to pause here for a second and deal with this. He's in the presence of the Lord, but he doesn't know the Lord. He's serving the Lord, but doesn't quite know him. And when you do not know the voice of the Lord, you will always keep running to people trying to hear from God by trying to tap into people. And people cannot tell you what only God can tell you. So he keeps running to people. Do you think I'm good enough? Do you call me? Do you think I'm good? What do you think? He keeps running to people. And I want to break that yoke off of you right now. I want to break that off of your life. People do not have your destiny. People didn't ordain your purpose. Stop putting your life in the hands of people. Some of you, as people don't pat you on your back, if they take the Twitter and talk about you, you fall apart. The devil is a liar. What God has for you is for you, and no devil, no person, no demon in hell can stop you. You desperately need to hear. You desperately need to hear from God. I don't know if this is far here. The Lord so clearly saying before you move, before you make that decision. What does God have to say? Oh, see, I don't talk to my mama and them over here. See, mama and them think, I, I, listen, praise God for your mama. But your mama can only do so much for you. you you're, in, you're in some places now where you don't need mama's word. You need God's word. Mama has carried you as far as she can carry you, boo. You need to step out on your own and say, Lord, it's me and you out here. 
Now I need to hear from you right now because I know that unless you speak, I cannot make it. But, but here's, here's what I want you to see. Samuel didn't know the voice of the Lord and God is calling him. But why didn't he know the voice of the Lord? Because the word, the word hadn't been revealed. It says the third time the Lord called to Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Can I tell you something? One of the most mature things you can do for a person is to not try to be God for them, but to point them to God yourself. What do you think I should do? What your, your, one of your most important answers is, let's go to God and pray about it. So, so he finally says, listen, the Lord's calling you. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls to you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Drop down to verse 21, and here's what I want you to see. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there revealed himself to Samuel how? Through his word. There are people who often ask me, Bishop, can, can I really hear the voice of God? And I always tell them, yes. And they say, well, I, it's so hard. I, I don't know. How do I even distinguish if it's my voice or God's voice? And is God even really speaking? And, and I often tell them, yes, but you've got to tune in to the right frequency. It's kind of like if you, if you look up at the ceiling or look up in the sky, you don't see um, your television station broadcast. You don't see it. You don't see the ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. You don't see them broadcasting. Or if you're your favorite radio station, NPR, Hot 107.7, whatever it is, you don't, you don't, you don't see the, that radio station broadcasting, but we know that they are. The problem is, if you're not tuned in, you won't be able to pick it up. So what you have to do in your car, what you do with your television is you turn on the appropriate station or you turn the dial to the, to the right station or you hit it on your phone and what your phone and your TV is designed to do is to tune you in to the right frequency. Every time that you make time to do this, you're tuning in to the right frequency. God is speaking right now all the time but you got to tune in here's the last thing jesus says martha the work is the work but mary's priorities that's right that's better that's more profitable because we we know god through the word we, we understand his voice through the word but here's here's the last thing we're only prosperous through the word i love it in in verse in verse 40 of luke 10 i love it God says, part of the reason that Martha is having struggle is because it says that she was distracted. One, one translation says she was distracted. Another translation says she was encumbered. Uh, yet another translation says she was pulled away. That, that word distracted um, in the Greek literally means she was pulled apart. 
And part of the reason that, that Martha, get this, is pulled apart is because there's so many things that she's trying to get done. She's trying to fix things. She's trying to fix dinner, and she's trying to serve here, and she's trying to fix the family, and she's trying to address this, and baby needs new shoes, and you got to do this, and she's just all over the place. And Jesus says, you're just distracted. You're pulled apart. And that's where many of us are. We're trying to fix things. We're trying to fix it. We're trying to fix this, and we're trying to fix that, and we're trying to fix this, and we're trying to fix that. Literally, we're like playing twister with our lives and with our career. You got the family in one hand, career in another, got your foot in another place. You're trying to fix it all. But the problem is you're trying to do it, and you haven't prioritized time with God. One of the most damaging things that you can even try to do in ministry is to try to work for Christ, and you don't commune with him. I know too many spiritual leaders that, that they, they have the name, they have the name and the title, but they don't have the anointing That's right. because they spend too much time working and not enough time at his feet. This is why God says in, in, in Proverbs four, he says, you got to get wisdom. You need wisdom. Wisdom is the most important thing. One translation says it's the principal thing. One, one translation says, in all thy getting better get wisdom and understand it. Notice God did not say get knowledge because there's a difference. You can get knowledge by going to Google. But if you want wisdom, you're going to have to go to God. And the problem is we live in this day and time where there's so much knowledge, but folk don't have wisdom. How, how to get married. How to get married. Okay. Google can tell you that. But how to stay married and stay sane, you need wisdom for that. Teach, Bishop. I'm telling you, I'm trying to do it. How to start a business. Google can tell you that. But how to do it and to do it in a way that honors God so that there's expansion and increase? You need God for that. You need wisdom for that, not just knowledge. But you only get wisdom. You only get wisdom when you spend time with him. I love it. Joshua comes to power after Moses. He's scared. He's been at the background. Now God brings him to the foreground. Now he's in the spotlight, and now he's got to lead three million plus people. And God tells him, let me give you the secret to success. You got a lot of things that you're going to have to do as a leader. You're going to have to mediate. You're going to have to cast vision. As leader, you're going to have to handle disputes. You're going to have to balance money. You're going to have to do a whole bunch of things. But, but let me give you the priorities, Joshua. He says it in Joshua 1 and 8. He says, meditate on this word both day and night. One translation says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. He says that you may be careful to do everything written in it. He says, then you will be prosperous and successful. I love the translation that says, then and only then will you be prosperous and successful. And, that's, and that's, that was Solomon's strong suit in the very beginning. The very beginning, Solomon was, 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 was blessed. I mean, when God shows up in Solomon's life, this is in 1 Kings chapter 3, God says, ask me for whatever you want, Solomon. I mean, what an opportunity from God. Ask me for whatever you want. It's right there. It says, it says and at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Man, what an opportunity. And Solomon is right there where he's supposed to be. He says, God, I want wisdom. I need wisdom. I cannot lead these people with knowledge. Google cannot help me with this. I need wisdom. I cannot stay married without wisdom. I cannot run this business. I cannot deal with these knucklehead kids without wisdom. 
And then I love it. The Lord was pleased. It said that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, God says, I'm so touched. I'm going to do what you've asked. I'm going to give you a wise and discerning heart so that there would have never been anyone like you, nor would there ever be. But I'm also going to give you what you have not asked for, wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime... You will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father, did, I'm going to give you long life. God says, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed that you've asked for wisdom. He said, I want to know you, Lord. And, and there's also a principle, I don't have time to teach it, in Deuteronomy that literally said that every king that came to power, it's around Deuteronomy 17, that every king was supposed to, day and night, write the law in their own journal, just to write, write it down. And Solomon starts off this way. He starts off blessed, but then he gets busy. Later on, he gets, he gets busy. Now, he's blessed, and the Bible says historically that there was never a wise man like Solomon. Right? He was the wisest of all. The kingdom of, of, of Israel reached its height under Solomon. He was blessed, but then he got busy. Man, he got busy. He got, I mean, he got, he really got busy. He had uh, so many wives and so many hundred concubines. He was busy doing stuff and showing up busy doing stuff. Y'all will get that later. Um, he, it, and it says, it says in 1 Kings 11 and verse 4, it says that Solomon grew old. His wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God and the Lord became angry with Solomon because of his heart and it turned away from the Lord and God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods Solomon did not keep the Lord's command so the Lord said to Solomon since this is your attitude notice this since you've gotten too busy for me since since you're more concerned about all of the other things that you have to do pun intended You're too busy. You're too busy. He says, you, you haven't kept my covenants. You haven't kept my decrees. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear the kingdom from you. And I'm going to give it to one of your subordinates. Oh. I'm going to give it to somebody that's not even as qualified. They don't have your resume. They don't have your pedigree. But I'm going to give it to them. Because they made time for me. Oh, I'm out of time. I just looked at that. Huh. Psalm 1 says, I'm closing with this. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor seats, nor sits. <clears throat> in the seat of the scornful. What does that mean? What does this look like? It, it looks like Solomon's life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. This is the counsel of the godly. Right? This is the, the word of God, the wisdom of God. And how do, you, how do you start down this wrong path that Psalms 1 is talking about? Well, one day goes by and you just get so busy. And you end up depending more that day on the counsel of the world than the counsel of God because you hadn't spent any time with him. Then another day goes by and you just get even more busy 
and you get further away from the counsel of God, you end up running your life that week, maybe, based on the wisdom of the world. Because that's who you've been spending the most time with. Facebook, Twitter, and everybody else, and what you think, and coworkers, and everybody else. But, but you haven't spent any time with God. Then another month goes by, and you still, you're walking further away because you've been spending more time with the wisdom of the world. This is what I think, girl. This is what I think, bruh. This is what you ought to do. And if I were you, and, and all that stuff. And... But you look up one day, and you are so far from the wisdom of God. And your life has become so encapsulated and so surrounded by the wisdom of the world that you started off walking, but now you're standing, you're stuck. Blessed is the man who walks not, nor stands. And then ultimately you get so comfortable depending on other voices instead of the voice of God that you ultimately sit down. And this is where many of us find ourselves so far. And you can't do marriage like this. You can't run your house like this. Because there's no power in, well, this is what my daddy and them always did. Oh, this is what I was really trying to understand. She don't listen to me. She ain't, pray for me, Bishop, because, because we tripping and she ain't listening to me. She ain't listening to you because you talking worldly. There's no power in it because you're so far from this. But then Psalms 1 says, but blessed is the man who delights, the woman who delights in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the, the man or woman who delights in this law and they meditate on it day and night. And then they say that because they spend day and night just spending time with God here, like Mary, they said, and then guess what? He will be or she will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Watch this. And its leaf shall not wither. I want you to understand what that means. We, we talk a lot about it's my new season. That's right, that's right. This speaks of your season never ending. That's right, that's right. Your leaf will never wither. It will always bring forth its fruit in its season, meaning it'll always be your season. It says, and whatever he or she does shall prosper. That's the kind of prosperity I want. That's the kind of breakthrough I want. I want a breakthrough that's not dependent on who's in the White House and who's the mayor and whether it's a bull market or a bear market. I want the kind of breakthrough that lasts regardless. I love it. Past April, I love it. This revelation the Lord gave me, I was reading this and the Lord said, see where you're planted determines what you produce. He shall be planted like a tree, right? And his leaves shall not wither. Where you're planted depends on what you produce. So, so if, if, if every day you're planted here, this is what you will produce. If every day you're planted here, flipping the channels, that's, that's what you're going to produce. But, but if you're, but if you're planted here, hallelujah, that's what you're going to produce. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> Uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I shall fear no evil because I know that he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. If you're planted here, this is what you're going to produce. Come on, worship team, musicians, I'm out of time. Let's, let's close this thing up. How, how do you do it? How do you do it, Bishop? You know, we did a survey, and one of the questions we asked our church was, 
How, how many people know about and, and do the worship center's devotional practice? And I was surprised. I got to tell you, I was really surprised that many people are not doing it. And so the Lord said he wanted literally, literally for me to close this message by reintroducing you to how you have daily time with God. It's really simple, y'all. It's really simple. Every year we read through the Bible together as a church family. If you go to that breakthrough-prayers.com site, all of the information about the 21 days and what you can eat and what you can't eat and whether you can do sugar-free gum and all that stuff, it's out there. But also what's out there is doing your soap devotion. In that new prayer book, I talk about that, and we created pages in there for you to do your soap devotion. What is soap? Every day you just open up your Bible, take you about five to seven minutes, you read the assigned scriptures for that day, and all I tell people is, grab your coffee or your tea, if that's your thing in the morning, get your Bible, get a journal, and get a great place. And here's what is going to happen, I promise you. When you read the, the selected scriptures for that day, it's not a lot, but when you read those scriptures for that day, I promise you, because this is alive and it's active, God's going to grab your heart. Maybe it's a passage in the Old Testament. Maybe it's a passage in the New Testament. It's literally going to grab your heart, and you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's the word for me today. That's what God is saying to me today. And then when you finish doing your reading, you open up your journal, and at the top of your page, S is for Scripture. Write out that verse of those verses that really, really, really spoke to you. Write it out. Just write it out. Write it out. Word for word, just write it out. And then you go to O. O is observation. You just write what you, what you see going on in that text. If it's Luke 10, Jesus is talking about priorities. Martha's busy, but Mary prioritizes listening to Jesus. And then you go to A. What is A for? Application. That's what does it mean for you right now? I think that God may be telling me that I need to rearrange my priorities. Maybe I've been so busy that I haven't spent as much time with God as I should. That's application. And then P is just prayer. And you don't write in your journal, pray here. No, you just write out your prayer, Lord. Help me this year to prioritize more time with you. God, show me how I can carve out five to seven minutes consistently each day to just hear your voice. Maybe I need to listen to the Bible in the car on my commute, but, but Lord, that's my will. That's my desire. Show me how to do it in Jesus' name. And that's it. That's it. And when you do that every single day, oh, that's the posture, y'all. That's the posture for promotion. You'll see God doing so much in your life. You'll hear the voice of God clearer. You will encounter him unlike any other time in your life because you have prioritized his presence. I told you that every time we see this Mary in Scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus. And because of that, she gets things that other people don't get. In Luke 10, we looked at it. She gets this recognition, this commendation. Jesus says she's chosen the best thing. He says, and it won't be taken away from her. 
Martha didn't get that. Some of the other disciples didn't get that. You move over to John 11. This is when Jesus gets to the house of Lazarus. Martha's got an attitude, so she doesn't run out to greet Jesus. Mary is the one that runs out with tears in her eyes, and she says, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And if you read that closely, it says she falls to her feet. She gets, she gets in her posture, and she gets down to the feet of Jesus, and she begins to weep. The Bible says that he is so moved that what he says to her, not Martha, he says to Mary, show me where you laid him. And we know that he ultimately brings Lazarus back from the grave because she's in that posture. She gets a resurrection because she's in that posture. She gets recognition. And then there's another encounter when he's at the house and he's spending time with some of the others. He's teaching. And there she is again at his feet. And she takes this expensive perfume, that alabaster box full of spikenard. They said it was worth a year's worth of wages. And she breaks it and pours it on his feet, wipes his feet with her hair. She's at his feet again. And many of the other disciples are saying, why this waste? A year's worth of wages for that? And Jesus says, y'all don't even know what you're talking about. He says, this woman has done something so special. Watch this. He says, as long as the gospel is preached. She, she gets an everlasting commendation. He says, as long as the gospel is preached, people are going to be talking about this woman. That's the kind of celebrity that she gets. Because she's at his feet. So I don't know what you need this year. I don't know what you believe in God for. Maybe it's, maybe it's recognition. Maybe it's commendation, celebrity. Maybe you need God to resurrect some things. Maybe you need God to turn some things around. Maybe you just need some clear understanding and direction. But what I can tell you is that whatever you need, you got to get in that posture. Yeah, yeah. That's the posture for promotion. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.